Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundry. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm here with the boys. And today we have world-famous beer miler and sub-four-minute miler, Corey Belmore. But before that, Nick, I know you got a big big race coming up. What what you doing this week? Ooh, man. It's one of those races that I'm so nervous about. It's going to be so much crowd participation. It's absolutely the St. George solo, full said, on your own, no one gives a shit marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like fire. What's your goal? Oh man, I can't even remember the last time I just did a standalone marathon. So I just am going to try to go to 240. And then if I could go faster than that, I would be really impressed. If I could get 240, I'd be impressed. But anything faster, you know, I'll just be just so excited about it. <laughs> you're going to be solo self supported with the camelback, or you're going to have some aid stations out there? So a good pal actually is planning to come out. And if he doesn't come out, my buddy's wife said that she would do bottle, bottle hand ups. So I tried doing it at race effort with my ultra spire race vest, which I've done ultras in, but it was just not comfortable for bottles on the chest. So can't do it. Can't go fast with that situation. Better planned out. I think you're going to do it. You'll be getting at least into the low two forties. Yeah. Or you'll at least go to that pace for a certain amount of time, then blow up. One of the two. I don't think I'll blow up. I mean, just even running at it today, that pace, like 615, 620 pace, minute miles, like it felt just really good, especially with the weather being so cold. Nice. Yeah. And what's, anyway, what's the shoe choice for the marathon? Oh, shoe choice? Oh, man, this has been a tough one for me to get, get my head wrapped around because I was thinking I've got a pair of – next percenters that i've raced a half marathon in and i was like well might as well just trash them with the full and i got a brand new pair of alpha flies i don't want to use for this but i have two pair of alpha fly tempos and the tempos feel really good i was but they're not they're not as light as the next percent so what do you what do you think i should do fellas i'll give you the old way in the tempos yeah the tempo, alpha fly tempos if it's not Nike, it's not fast, so you got to pick one of those. Well, I mean, the other one's a Nike Next Percent. It's lighter. True. Uh, yeah. You, uh, have a pair of Clifton's. I got a pair of Brooks Glycerin. Those <laughs> 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 will do it. <laughs> yeah. Just throw the old bricks on the feet. Yeah. Anyways, I'll probably do the Tempo or the – maybe even do the Adidas Adios Pro. I don't know. Ooh. That's a hard shoe to get your hands on. Well, Not when you're a master product reviewer like Nick Chase. Right. For thanks. Jackrabbit running and clever training. Thanks there, Buck. <laughs> Good plug. I love it. <laughs> well, next, after that, we have a real race. Garrick Lowen traveling to Florida, the COVID capital of the world, to do <laughs> a half marathon. I wouldn't say it's the COVID capital of the world. but Yeah, they've already gotten all their cases. Everybody's immune now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much there. Um, yeah, that's not till the weekend, though. But next race will, will happen this Wednesday. Before this episode drops, this will be, does it drop Wednesday evening? 
Um, I would highly suggest going over to his Strava and seeing how he did on that race. Oh, super exciting. Whatever. He might hide it depending how it went. No, I'll make it public. I don't care if I, you know, if I blow up, I blow up, but I'm going to go for it. Nice. That a boy. Yeah. And then uh, Jackson, over or under 100 beers this week? Under 100 (laughs) beers. Oh, my God. (laughs) I ordered like six. Six big ones, though. They're like 500 mil bottles. Nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing the Jacksonville half marathon. You can also tune into my Strava to see how that went. I've never run an open half. I've run like four open races on the road before. So we'll see how that goes. Goal? Uh, to, for the race to start. The goal for your performance? <laughs> uh, honestly, man, I'm kind of going into this with no expectations and no goals. I can put a hard number on it. I'd love to be under 113. 51 is 330s uh fitness is indicating it could probably run faster than that but there's so much up in the air with uh never having run a half and being a triathlete (laughs) and it not matter it like your open times not meaning anything can be hard a little hard to get motivated for that kind of stuff dude it matters does it though i think it matters just to tell your kids and even it's like a confidence boost when you're like getting off the bike and you're like oh man i know i can go whatever if i'm fresh so i should be able to go at least within two to three minutes if i'm wrecked is that how that works so i always think (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, i i think you'll get it Uh, Uh, i know one thing's for sure you're gonna get a half marathon pb yeah, but no like, doubt. I really hope so because it's currently like 120 something from Waco. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you haven't done an open? No, he just said that. Have you been paying any attention? I've done, I think I've done one open 10K and one open 15K. Okay, fine. Thank you. I was, have have alerts going off my watch. I'm trying to finish a video and I'm trying to chug a beer to get ahead of you guys for happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, these guys, they've got real stuff going on. I just did my very first form of exercise in eight days at all. Like literally eight days completely off. It was not pretty today when I did my little strength session. The legs were wobbling after like two reps of like no weight. So we got them going again though and just got to start doing something. Haven't even stepped on the scale. Probably actually, I don't know if I gained weight because I always don't get hungry when I'm not training. So just got to keep the off season going, but actually start moving and then figure, figure shit out later for fitness. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't even worry about weight. I think this is a good, good time to plug this to our listeners is if you're in the off season right now, don't worry about your weight too much. That is how you get red S when you come back right. to training, which is and what that episode is-, is about. That is today's topic because we have Corey Belmore coming on. He had a recent article that just blew up across the running world about his struggles with red S and Jackson, I know you have a minor in nutrition, which makes you kind of more of an expert than just about anybody else on the internet when it comes to (laughs) Yes. Well, um, yeah. So the article that Corey, you know, um, or that that Garrick is talking about, it kind of revealed that Corey Corey wanted to tell his story that he went through about a six-month period where he 
was not eating enough and developed relative relative energy deficiency in sport. What that means is when you're chronically eating less than you're burning um, in terms of calories. So the, the normal natural reaction for the body when this happens, obviously, is that you lose weight because you're burning more than you're taking in. And that's actually a healthy adaptation at first. But over time, your body knows how much fat stores you have, and it knows when you're not going to be able to sustain that. So if you're losing a lot of weight and you're in a huge deficit for an extended period of time, um, your body actually changes your hormone levels in order to change your metabolism. So what that does is slows your metabolism down so you don't burn as much. And that's how your body accommodates the decreased energy intake. So what happens there is now you have this really slow metabolism. So you stop losing weight and then you're in a really tough spot because now you're not eating very much and you're still not losing weight. So as soon as you get back up to an appropriate amount of energy intake, you start gaining a lot of weight because your body's metabolism is still really slow. So it's a tough thing to kind of get out of because people, when they start eating what is determined to be kind of a healthier amount for sustainability and training hard and all those things where you need to burn a lot of energy, um, you end up kind of struggling to do that because you don't feel like you want to gain the weight back. So um, obviously a really tough issue for a lot of athletes and very common in athletes. And how common is it, do you think? Oh, geez. Well, I, I would speculate that, you know, a high percentage of endurance athletes at least go through a period of this. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 50% or, or more, at least close, at least a third of athletes would go through this at some point. It's, it's seen as being more common in women, but it is still quite common in men. And that's why Corey wanted to come, come up and tell his story because, it's one thing that is, you know, it's not um, seen as something that men should show weakness in society and admit that they have an eating disorder that, you know, they, they, a lot of guys would be ashamed to do that. So um, we're trying to change that and athletes coming forward to tell their story is really helping. What do you think, Nick? Is it common in athletes? Have you seen it? Um, among the athletes I coach, I have seen a couple athletes not I mean, first off your lifestyle needs to blend in with training. And sometimes when lifestyle stress really overcompensates or over, not overcompensates, but it just really overshadows the training stress. And I don't know about it as a coach, you can develop rhabdo, which is another extreme case of um, deficiency and overuse of the body. So I've seen a couple of instances of that, but red S I think for most age group athletes, <clears throat> it's probably a, I wouldn't say, this specific red S situation is on their mind, but nutrient deficiency is common for sure. I don't know if they get to that level, but I have to tell people all the time when we monitor their calories or their macros for a couple of weeks at a time, like you need to be eating more like 1500 calories is just not enough for someone who's going to train an additional two hours a day, especially if it's going to be intense. So I think that the propensity is there. And it's necessary for us to talk about it now so we can maybe help educate people and remind them like bottom line is if you don't feed your body and it's looking for calories, it's got to find it somewhere and it's going to take it from what you already have unless you feed it. And then that's going to slow everything. And in that weight you want to lose, you can't lose it because your body's in a state of uh, just like holding on to it. It doesn't want to lose it. So 
I think it's probably pretty common, um, especially for athletes. I think transitioning between diets, whether it's like going from regular diet to keto or an elimination diet or some form of diet, there's probably a, a small chance that you could develop some sort of deficiency there if you're cutting out something all at once. The, the problem is you don't see the, the, you don't see the negative aspects of it until later on down the road because you'll feel great at first and then you may start to wreck yourself a month and a half later. As we see in here with Corey, he was hitting times, he was crushing it. And, you know, as you hear through the interview, then stuff really changes. So catching it before that is absolutely key. And he's a big dude. I mean, he's, he's going to be taking way more calories than dude, when, when I heard about what he was taking in, I was just blown away. Like you had like a bullion cube after your three hour session. That's about it there. Uh, <laughs> that's not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's amazingly common in, um, new athletes. So, uh, that's where most of the cases that have been researched probably come up as new young athletes who decide they want to pursue the sport at an elite level, but they're in high school or, you know, in the, involved in all these sports, they're training a lot. They're at school, they're busy. They don't eat enough and they just aren't educated on that. They need to be eating a lot more until it's too late. So getting that education out there is huge. And Corey is such a great role model for so many young athletes. And I think telling his story is going to be amazing for helping prevent these things that are very preventable. If you get that education in, um, at the younger age. Um, but yeah, I mean, awesome interview with Corey coming up. Can't wait to jump into that. Anything else we need to touch on here, boys beforehand. Uh, I don't think so. I think we can just roll straight into that interview right now. All right, Corey, thank you for joining us. Uh, for those who have yet to listen to the episode with Corey, Corey's a future Olympic triathlon champion. Uh, he. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Pressure. A so current elite, one of Canada's best runners at the mile ish distance. Would that be what? 1500 and 800, right? That's your. Yeah, like used to do 800, but now I focus more on 1500. Yeah. So, Corey. Beer mile world record holder, but more impressed, more impressively, if that's a word, um, he is a sub four minute miler, which is a tremendous barrier. So always honored to, you know, be able to train with this guy, whether it's swim, biking or running and having him on the podcast is icing on the cake. <laughs> thanks for that, that honest, I don't know if it was truly honest, but thanks for that uh, very good introduction. <laughs> Well, if it wasn't honest, it was at least factual. <laughs> well, he, he does. I do remember him complaining about you beating him on some fifties in the pool and you're not even a swimmer. So <laughs> it was just the sprint stuff, but, uh, then darn stuff, Garrick made me hurt a lot. So <laughs> Kudos <That's good>. <laughs> he's a grinder. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming back on. And as some of our listeners probably know, recent article just came out where you opened up about uh, relative energy deficiency in sport. And this is what we want to talk to you about because, you know, especially for men in sport, it's not common to open up about that. And the issue has been seen a lot as more of an issue with women in the endurance sports, but it's a, it's also a big issue that can happen with men. And especially since it's not really talked about a lot, I think probably a lot of people, you know, kind of, don't know that it's going on and don't know that maybe they're at risk of this. So um, yeah, thanks so much for agreeing to talk to us about this. And also before we even get into that, do you, 
So right now, I believe you have another injury, and that, is that kind of what sparked this whole thing that you decided, like, okay, look, I need to look into this issue? Yeah, it was, it was honestly just a lot of frustration over the last, like, year and, like, trying to figure out why I was injured, trying to look back and reflect upon, like, what changed the most. And the biggest thing we could, like, bring it back to is, like, my, my eating habits, my nutrition for half a year, basically. In 2019, it was just day after day of, like, not getting enough calories. Just I wasn't trying to be destructive. I wasn't trying to do anything to harm me. Like, as an athlete, you're always trying to get better. You know, you stay away from alcohol. You stay away from all the bad things. Um, so I was just trying to do something to make me lighter, make me leaner, hopefully make me faster. That was my philosophy in my head I had going on. Uh, and then over years in the sport, just being told, like, man, look at your competitors. Like, they're, they're basically, I don't know, 30, 40 pounds lighter than you. So even if I dropped, I don't know, 10 pounds, like, that would help me a lot, I thought. So Who said that? What's that? Who said that to you? Well, undisclosed, but <laughs> 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 yeah. So just hearing that over time, it was just uh, like it slowly wore, wore on me. And I never thought about it like a long time ago as something I would like actually actively try and do something about. But it just came to a time where I'm just, I acted on it and it was like terrible for my body. And now my bone health is like trying to catch up. So it's uh yeah, just, just want to bring awareness to it and hope others can, like, see the signs and see that there is an issue, especially in males in sport. And this is something you kind of alluded to last time you were on the podcast, but we never really went in-depth on it. And I don't know how willing you were to talk about it, but, like, what did your day-to-day -day look like when you were trying to cut weight so much? Uh, so I just limit myself a lot. So, like, I, like it's, I said, I wasn't, like, I was not eating or anything. I was still eating. It was just very, very small portions compared to the amount of training I was doing. So I'd like wake up and like if I was hungry, really hungry for like say, say I was eating cereal and I wanted like and actually needed three bowls of cereal, I would have one bowl and like make sure I wasn't eating after that. And then like I would just like essentially starve myself until my next meal. Like oh. it was always constant. When was the next week? If I was doing runs, I was always making sure I was doing fastest runs because I had this idea in my head that that would burn more fat, that would make me lighter. Like, so I was like under fueling before workouts and then not getting enough after workouts, even though I was eating. So, what was your meal situation like? If you'd have a decent, or I guess probably in your terms, like a very minimal breakfast, like how? What was the I guess fast between that since you weren't refueling after sessions and then going into when was the next meal? The next meal would probably be about like twelve thirty one o'clock. Um, wow. I would just have like say a hard boiled egg um, and like a small salad and like a fruit, and that was pretty much it. So Maybe. under a thousand calories, almost like a day. <laughs> With Sounds like close. It, it, probably you know a thousand to fifteen hundred if you have a dinner after that too, right? And. To a normal person, you know, maybe like an average person, it's not that far off of a normal diet. So it's like, it's tough to, and this is something that a lot of people probably don't realize, especially more on the beginner side is like, you obviously have to eat way more when you're training hard. And um, how long did you sustain that type of a diet for like six months? Uh, yeah, it was roughly around six months. And then like throughout the first bit, I was like noticing I was dropping weight pretty quick. And then after that, it seemed to like plateau at a certain a certain point. I just think my body, like it was the smallest I could get from my body at that time. Uh, 
but then I started noticing like true effects, like showing up to workouts, finish my warm up, and I'd be like lightheaded already. I would like need, I'd want a snack so bad. Like I'd be like to my brother, my brother would come to the track for me. I'd be like, do you have a granola bar? Do you have something I can have before this workout? Like I need something. So for sure, iron deficient, like you can, that's like number one, once you start getting dizzy, doing anything, walking upstairs, standing up too quick, like that's a big, big, like sign of fatigue and then low iron. Yeah. Um, so yeah, honestly, that, that was a huge telltale sign, like just being hungry before workouts. And then honestly, I, I, I kept doing, it. I didn't really think too much of it. I'm just like, oh, I'm hungry. I didn't eat enough today. Like I didn't think of it as like a long-term thing. And then basically until I got my first injury, and I couldn't, couldn't really decipher why it happened. That's when I started like reflecting, like, what did I change? What did I changed. And I kept saying like, Oh, maybe it was cause I like didn't eat enough at this, like those six months or maybe it's cause I was kind of trying to cut weight, but I'd never really tr- truly put like a, I didn't put like a red dot on it or anything like that. Uh, I just kept going about my life and then come back to training, get injured again and then take eight, week off, eight weeks off. My bone never healed. And then, come back to training again, same stress factor comes back. So it's just constant injuries back and forth. And I got my blood test tested and like, it's just, yeah, the numbers were very skewed. So, um, were you shocked by anything like, like, Holy crap. I can't believe this was so low. Um, my iron's been like always pretty up and down. So, um, that was lower. And I'm trying to still get it up. Like right now, for me, it's like okay. I think it's at like 50, which is like still on the lower side, but not like too too bad. I, I'm getting it up. Um, but yeah, I, no number really was like huge telltale telltale because I didn't get blood blood tests until my eating was already starting to get better. It's okay. just my bone health right now is so far behind everything else. Yeah. So when you talk about bone health, so um, some people might not be familiar with what actually gets measured there. So there's, uh, you go in for basically a bone density scan and then they tell you what your number is compared to like the population average kind of thing. Right. And they would hope that you're at least close to the average, like it, approximately what range were you in? Have you had one before, like before you had any eating issues to, to compare to, or was this kind of your first baseline and it was just not where you wanted to be? Um, so I had a bones, bone density scan like a long time ago. Uh, I, I think I just did it in university as part of like, as a participant for a study and you could get in the hospital within like that week and get like a bone density scan just to be part of something. So I think I did it in university. Everything was like relatively good then. And then I didn't get one recently, actually. Um, I've just got a bunch of like bone scans and MRIs and stuff like that. I haven't got an actual bone density scan. So um, I don't know my numbers. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know my numbers like at the moment, but, um, yeah, honestly, that's something I should get looked at. It's just during COVID, this is when all the stress fractures happening. So it was very hard to even get like oh, some, some of the tests that I did get done. It was hard to get into. So when did you really, like, when was that real, like, Oh shit moment for you when you were like, okay, hey, this is a problem. I need to address it. And how has it been since? um i I think most recently was like probably after my first stress fracture which is in october so i pb'd in august and i was like eating very poorly from january to july 
and then PB'd in August. Uh, so ran like 339 the 1500. So like it justified all the bad eating. Like it was like maybe I was doing something right. Like this was good for me. And I just want to say like even when you're growing up in the sport of track and field, you hear a lot of times like of, of athletes like cutting weight before championships or some of the bigger athletes would like just eat canned tuna and salad and stuff like that. And I was like completely normalized. So like in my head, all my eating and stuff was justified by like past things I've heard, past things I've been told. So I didn't think anything was going to be destructive. Uh, but the oh shit moment was just that stress fracture literally a month, a month and a half after my PB, it came out of nowhere. So it, it was a month and a half of training building. Like it wasn't like I was overtraining or anything. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing that much and it just came out of nowhere. So I was like, where, like, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. And then it was just a lot of questions from there. And over the last year, like, just been a lot of questions, a lot of talking to coaches, um, talking to like physiotherapists, chiropractor, and then now to a dietitian to figure things out. So real quick, like, I think this is a problem that most athletes run into when you're just questioning your approach um, and you just decide to change things based off of something you heard, something someone said. And that's like really important because as easy as it sounds to be caught in that situation, like it's easy to look at a situation like yours and be like, well, duh, I can see why you got injured. It makes sense. But like when you're in it, you can't see that you're like, well, this makes sense because of these facts that I know, which I've for whatever reason are resonating. Like what, what really made this situation of eating and eating even during the process? Cause there had been times when you're like, man, why am I always hungry? Or man, I'm just bailing on these workouts. Like what kept you going down that path, even though you might've, felt it was self-destructive um well i i felt the best in terms of like how light i was when i was running like i felt poppy i i felt speedy like my workouts and stuff were all like conducive to like running a pb um and then my 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 bones and stuff at the time it felt like good it was just like my energy sometimes before workouts it was just very low um but like I liked, I liked the way I was like leaning down. I, I liked the, the look of it. Like even my coaches and stuff tell me like, "Oh man, you look really fit." So that just like fueled, fueled. That was fueled to the fire, you know. I didn't mm-hmm. think of an issue at the time. Even if sometimes like little things like before workout, I was a little hungry. My workout was still good once I got going. Like it, so even though. Yeah. So so do you think maybe had you instead like like I'm I'm not saying fast workouts are bad in any regard as long as you build up stuff on the other side of it or refuel when when necessary like I have been a fan of doing that for my a lot of my career but I'm changing that randomly too so I think like going into a workout a little fasted fueling during the session and then having a breakfast afterwards that's going to sustain you to the next session or whatever is great but like you were missing that key recovery period after workouts and that's where I think like you probably started doing more damage that was like exponentially getting worse and worse. Cause once you lose those minerals and once you you've just, you know, depleted your body, you're kind of still riding that. Well, at least I look good and feel good. And then you're starting to convince yourself. So it's like this cycle that all of us athletes can get into number one with like science that seems to support incremental or like micro period training um, increases like, yeah, you dude, you were seeing some good training. So you're like, heck yeah, it's freaking working. But 
like yeah. the implications in the next four months were just detrimental. And, you know, probably looking back, you maybe would have had a protein shake like Jackson does right after a workout. Then 12 seconds. Yeah. Getting like 900 calories after a 4k swim. And then like, I don't know, just being in a camp with, um, you know, high level athletes, it's interesting. And I pay, pay attention to all the social or sociological things we do when we eat around each other. Cause it, it, it's kind of an impairment to some and some of it's an excuse to eat more mm-hmm. and some eat regular or less. And then they binge later. Like there's a lot of really like interesting things as athletes on a mental health side that we go through that we're usually not comfortable talking about. So first off, like really great to, to get your perspective on these things, but I was just really interested to see, you know, why you kept doing it. And do you think like now, had you started to fuel a little bit after these sessions, do you think it would have been more sustainable? Or even if you had like a huge carb bolus, like, you know, in the middle of the day that you could still train in the evening and be fine. Um, Like the thing is, I think in my head, I had this goal of like 10 pounds I want to lose. Like that was the Mm -hmm. number that was the number that I'd been told like would better time period though. What, what time, <clears throat> sorry, what time period for what? Yeah, like, like, how, what, like how long did you want to give yourself to lose 10 pounds? Um, I didn't really have a time period. It was, it was just like start, start restricting my eating um, and then like constantly look on the scale like two or three times a day. Oh, that'd be just, so stressful. Just see over time, like every morning, every, every evening, how much lighter I was getting. Um, so then once I got to 10 pounds, I thought I need to keep, eating the way I was or not eating the way I was just to sustain that like 10 pounds. Um, so it was actually, it ended up being, I think it ended up being about 12 pounds and I sustained that for a while. But then for me, like not eating and stuff, sustaining that weight, like it was so hard on my system. Like I was, I was struggling to do it, but I was running fast time. So I don't know. It was just a, like when, when you're in it and, you're doing it you don't think of it as going to be a long-term destructive thing even if something comes about and like you start feeling sluggish fatigue you think like you can start eating again get the weight back up and you're good to go but like the body takes time especially like your bones those are the the last things to fully recover and like um even get yeah, used bones to and hormones yeah so it's just uh i mean a lot of people go through like eating disorders and and they go through it for year upon year upon year and our lifetimes yeah we're lifetimes never really leaves you i don't think no and like i'm glad i can recognize that like there's a problem there i'm glad i can recognize like there's an issue within like sport i think like it's not talked about so um if i can be the guy that like speaks out about my story i don't want to be the topic at all but like if i can make a conversation be happy and i'm happy with that well, and something to be said too, like, I mean, we're looking at you on, on our video screen right now and you look like, you know, you're about to go build a deck or chop down some trees. Like you're a, you're like, you're a hardy looking guy. You're strong, you're, you're dominant force. And here you are, you know, admitting you've got a, a psychological issue that dealt with weight and it caused you to be injured. Like that's freaking tough for a lot of guys to do. So like, here's a great opportunity for people to start stepping up and, you know, it's, it doesn't feel super macho, obviously, like I've, I've had to admit things like that in the past, but it's like, it's, it's so common. Let's, I don't know. They were like, nah. I just heard somebody as a joke was like, 
I think like one in three people have herpes, so it's no big deal anymore. <laughs> and I was like, that's not how it works, man, honestly. But like, <laughs> I'd say probably like one in, you know, two athletes at a high level probably deal with the same thought process and issue. And it's, uh, it's, it's tough to come back from. So, you know, transitioning into this new period where you've, you've had the process, you've dealt with the circumstances and the repercussions, like what are you going to do now? And how is this going to impact you moving forward to where you can maybe learn? Cause obviously you still got fast. You lost, you lost weight quickly. Um, and you know, like in any sport, there's some unhealthy aspects like in bodybuilding, these guys and girls do some crazy weight loss programs that are detrimental to everybody. Yeah. Uh, but as athletes, you know, we talk about race weight, like what, how do you plan to get to race weight now in the right way? And with what time period, like, what are you going to do to make sure that you don't F yourself in the A going forward? Uh, like I'm not a professional, so I can't really speak like I, whatever I'm saying, I wouldn't like suggest anyone to follow, but like for me, I think um, just like eating when my body is hungry. Like I have to listen to my body. I think your body is a pretty smart thing. And like, if you are hungry and like you need to eat, it's going to be sending messages to your brain that like, Hey, it's time to feed me. So I think just mm -hmm. feeling properly feeling with like a lot of carbs, a lot of proteins, um, just a lot of variety of different greens and stuff like that. But I don't think it's good to like restrict yourself. Like, Oh, I shouldn't have this cookie here. Like, I don't think it's good to like overindulge necessarily. But I don't think it's good to restrict yourself. Like at the end of the day, like I, I, uh, I was talking to my friend like a couple months ago and we were talking about like, happiness and like if you're restricting yourself even from like a cookie or something like that like that's a little bit of oh. happiness sometimes you know even if it's like Stressful, a man. so sometimes if you have that cookie and like psychologically like you feel a little less stressed because of it i think that's a win in itself i am um, i so i coach a bunch of athletes and garrick you might garrick and jack you might really relate to this but i tell people because you know diet and sports nutrition is huge it's like the absolute most important thing you can do on race day which can screw up a perfectly good body in mind. So I always tell people if, you know, the, the weight is going to come because of your hard work and because you have a clean diet. So don't worry about the weight so much, but there's human in indications there. Like if you want something for more than three days and it's not leaving your mind and you're like trying to restrict and trying to keep a steady weight, at least not necessarily, I don't want to use the word restrict, but if you're trying to remain steady, at least for a keep for a purpose, like after three days of wanting something, you've just got to do it. Otherwise you turn yeah. it into this other situation of stress and avoidance. And it's like, you tell you something not to do it enough. You want to do it all the time. So yeah, having that cookie is pretty invigorating. And then sometimes you're like, well, I'm going to wait till I have that cookie after this three hour bike ride, because I'm going <laughs> to reward myself for that ride. And then, you know what, I'm going to have another cookie 90 minutes later, because that's when I'm going to be on the couch watching TV. So <laughs> Good point. Yeah, no, I just, uh, yeah, I think it's good to like eat healthy foods, obviously not overindulge all the time, but yeah, I think sometimes like, even if you're craving salty foods all the time, you're probably low in so like sodium, your body is probably just like, it needs that salt. So, um, sometimes you just got to give it what it needs and like, not think too much about it. Yeah. Got it all the time. <laughs> if you're training all the time yeah probably all the time actually yeah like you said like if you're craving it for three days in my mind i'm like you mean three minutes 
Well, I mean, it's like, I personally wouldn't eat. I just don't eat a lot of pizza. So if I want a pizza for like three days, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get a pizza and I'm only going to have one or two slices. I'm probably going to polish off the whole medium sized pizza to large. You know, sometimes they only offer a small or large and the small is too small. So you got to go large. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But yeah, I mean, so one other question I had is like, you start setting these PBs. Um, what were like, so you said you went 339 for 1500, which is ridiculous. Um, what was your previous PB before that when you were like 12 pounds heavier, you said? Um, 340, I believe it was my PB. So it was about one second. Yeah, it was only about one second. And like, so it's very conceivable. My point is, it's conceivable that you would have run that time anyway if you yeah. hadn't changed your diet because you're pretty young, Good you're point. improving every year. You probably would have run the same time this is just for the viewer, the listeners to say like, you probably didn't even run faster because of the weight. No. And it was, even if it is, it's short term gain for long term loss. Yeah. And that's kind of the point that I think needs to be driven home with people is if you try to restrict your weight and you're eating and like you saw this, it's, it might work for a little bit, but it's just, it's not sustainable and your body is not going to respond well to it um, in the long term. And if you want to get to your potential, you need to be consistent in the long term which everybody knows. So I'm sure that's your goal in the future is to just consistently improve. And when you come back from these injuries, obviously, you know, your, your times are probably not going to be as good for a while because you're, you know, you haven't trained as much. So, hmm. um, and this is what, you know, I've seen this in triathletes a lot where they come back from, you know, an eating disorder and they, they gain a bunch of weight at the beginning and they're stressed about it, but then they do get back to those same times. And sometimes it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but I know some of these athletes who are seeing really good results now, maybe three, four, six years after an eating issue, they're seeing just as good a results or better. So um, luckily I think you did catch it like pretty quickly and you didn't go through it for years and that's a really good sign. And hopefully more people hear about this and catch it before they fall into that. And um, they can just avoid the issue altogether. Yeah, that's honestly the main hope. Like, I just don't want anyone to to go down the same road and or go down like a worse road at all. Because uh, like as an athlete, like you love training, you're so used to strict s schedule, and then when that's <clears throat> when that's taken from you, it's 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 pretty hard. You feel lost. Like it's there's a lot of unknowns. You never know when you're gonna get back to to training again. And like even this morning, literally right before this, uh, like I had an MRI the other day and. Like my stress fracture, I've taken off three consistent months now since I tried to come back, and uh, yeah, it's it's still it's still not healed. So uh, yeah, just be be thankful and like fuel yourself and ensure that you're doing all the proper things to be the best athlete you can be. And yeah, you you don't want to be sidelined when it's something you love so much. Yeah. Corey, are you working with a coach? Uh, yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay. Is is he's been or he or she been pretty helpful with coming back and taking care of this thing extremely yeah like just he he's trying to re reach out to his network of like doctors and uh, other coaches or physiologists just to like try and figure out how we're going to come back what's the best way to heal it what's what's the best thing to do to get back on my feet because yeah i miss training a lot it's been like a constant it's been a year of, of, of this so yeah. what can you do right now, um, like physically without a lot of damage or pain? Um, I can swim, but the pools are not open here. So, uh, oh. 
Yeah, what about other biking? I was biking for a bit, and uh, like I still feel just from pulling and pushing. Yeah, I yeah. felt a lot in my knee just because it's it's my upper tibia, so it's really close to my knee there, mm. and it's just an area that does, it doesn't get enough blood flow as it is. So it's just yeah, it's it's constant. What about a thermal wetsuit in the lake? <laughs> Come on, it's still too cold for that. No, buddy. you got to get a you got to get the dry suits. That's what people do. In so that, Toronto, apparently, there's a group that swims at a beach all winter because of, it's a dry suit. Like, it doesn't get any water in it at all. And apparently, you can stay warm in, uh, in ice-cold water. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, that's what they use when they scuba dive to really deep depths. And actually, when I used to, like, pro-amateur kiteboard when, in Florida even, I, we had dry suits for sure. And they're freaking great. You just sweat a lot. <laughs> wow. That, I, didn't, I didn't know that existed, to be honest. You boys and need to heard- start the, the Windsor... Well, Gary's not there anymore, but the Windsor Winter Swimming Club. Oh, sounds <laughs> terrible. I might be just a one-man army out there, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, you might. I don't think you're going to get Lionel out there, not that he's in Windsor right now anyways. but No, but the thing is, like, Lionel's house right now, he's, his endless pool is just sitting there. Oh, you got to get in there. So Tell him you'll sh- maintain it for him. Yeah, I'm sure if I asked Lionel, he'd be, like, cool with me using it. I just... I never want to ask or overstep too much, you know, like, yeah. Well, does, does get Lionel been... to listen to this podcast and then you won't ask him, but it'll indirectly. <laughs> you'll, get a, you'll get a letter in the mail that says, come on over, bring your seat. Just, what promise, do you... just promise him that you're going to pee in the bucket. Oh my goodness. That one uh-huh. with the face on it. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> that oh. is a... Does his uh, endless pool have any sort of a treadmill in it? He's got to have that upgrade system. He doesn't, but it does have an attachment you can put in. Like, yeah, there you it, go. Yeah. That's awesome. Full recovery program for you. Yeah, seriously. But, like, yeah, the doctor basically, he said I could do anything that doesn't hurt it. So, yeah. like, that, that's up to my discretion. And, like, biking has aggravated a bit. Um, I've done, like, some strength stuff. Just, like, honestly, this is probably the strongest my core has ever been. Um, Sick. That, that's a good thing. I don't know if that means anything at all, but. Good for Instagram flex off pictures. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I miss, I miss just getting out for a run and like just enjoying the fresh air and like going for a walk with a brace is not the same. <laughs> yeah. That's tough. So that's another uh, thing I'd like to just quickly touch on. Like what is your plan moving forward? Obviously you want to stay active without re-injuring yourself. Obviously I'm guessing you're hopefully not weighing yourself three times a day now. and um you know and and myself and other athletes included in the off season now like the weight's going to come up and that's normal and natural but um for especially when you're healing from bone injury it's probably beneficial to gain a fair bit of weight so your body has lots of energy and nutrients to be able to heal but uh for next year obviously you don't want to set any time goals of like this is when i want to be back or anything because you just have to take it as it comes but are you trying to dive into some other lines of interest or work or anything to try to get a little bit um, busier in, in another sense or also like working on your, so like your, your sponsors and stuff like that. Like how are you staying engaged there? Oh, have, have you taken up scrapbooking? That's a big one. <laughs> I have not taken up scrapbooking. Uh, <laughs> honestly, the last couple of months, I've just tried to make myself like as busy as possible. So I like work at running factory, which is like a local shoe store in the area. And then I have like two respite jobs. Uh, so a lot of people don't know this, but like the last year I've worked with uh, a family with a boy that has autism. Oh, so wow. I work with him weekly. And then 
I just picked up another job like two months ago with another family with a boy that has autism. So, wow, that's yeah, amazing, oh, bud. That's really so good. So you have uh, interest in kind of like helping those those like autistic families who need all that, all, all the extra hands on deck. I'm sure they could need. How did you yeah. like get involved with that? Is this something? Did you know someone and then you just kind of wanted to help out, or how'd that happen? Yeah, so it was last year at our work Christmas party. Um, one of my coworkers, like sons, has autism. Uh, and she's like, I could always use an extra hand. Like, let me know if you're interested. And I'm like, I've never really, like, worked with a child with autism. But, like, I'm, I'm down to learn, like, down to help out. So then we started working together, like, immediately last December. And uh, since then, it's been, like, ongoing weekly things. Sometimes it's multiple times a week. Sometimes it's, like, just only once. But, uh, yeah, it honestly teaches you so much about patience. And, like, you don't ha have any idea of the challenges, like, those kids go through or the challenges the families go through like it's it's honestly insane yeah that's amazing i've it gets definitely seen firsthand um i've seen firsthand what families have to go through a couple of times and i can say that um you know the amount of love and patience and respect they have for each other like i cannot like they should they should be writing like policies for government programs yeah. like they've got to be so smart yeah. and like very neutral on so many things and i'm it's hard for like, I don't know, it's hard for me to sometimes be in those environments just because I don't want to do something wrong or, you know, not, you know, set, set off one of their triggers or something. So it's like such a very unique situation for an athlete to mm -hmm. be in because we're like hyper aware already. And then we're like, oh man, I can see what this maybe would cause a problem. So good yeah, job. It's, it's, like, I've, it's I've learned so much, like even how like large the spectrum of autism, like the one boy I work with, he's like, like borderline like asperger's like super super smart like anything he can get his hands on to read he'll like he'll take in that information so like for example his brothers and he was in human kinetics and um he had like a very hard question that was like a take-home question no one could figure out whatever they were talking about it one night and like the boy from his room i won't say any names or anything because it's supposed to be like confidential but uh, yeah he like yelled out the answer because he heard them talking about it and he just like I've been reading the textbook every night. Like anything he can get his hands on, he reads. Like I'm dead serious. That's so and he freaking crushed it. He just like yelled at the answer, and the whole family was like, "Like how'd you know that?" And he's just like, "Well, like it, it was in the textbook." Like, <laughs> so, <Duh. laughs> and then the other boy I work with is like nonverbal, so he'll repeat things after me and, and stuff like that. But like, he, he's other than that, it's it's very hard to know what's going on in his head. Like if he's stimming really hard and like seems stuck it's hard to know if he like has to go to the wash or if he's hungry if he just wants exercise like it's so difficult to learn so it's just you're always trying to figure out what makes them happy because honestly if you see those kids smile and like they're struggling for a bit and then they finally smile and laughing it it makes you so happy like that yeah it's the best feeling um it has to be the perfect awesome. transition for you as well. Like you're sitting on your hands, you're wondering when you can get back at the sport. So giving back and being a teacher at this point is like absolutely the best therapy for you as well. Yeah. It's been huge. Just taking my mind off training, at least the time I'm with them uh, and the time before and after, like, I'm just thinking about like, it's, it's a good thing to, to be able to help those kids and help the family. So yeah, I hope to be able to continue to do it when I'm back to training. It's going to be a little busy, but uh even if I do it once a week and just balance it out with training, I think that that balance will help me. 
Yeah, it's, it's awesome, man. My, so my mom, when she was teaching, she specialized in like the special ed. Mm-hmm. And I, it, traditionally, that seems to be like a role that a lot, a lot of women do is just mm. because they tend to be more nurturing. But the literature tends to support this. And that's why I like to see like young men really get into it. And other so autistic boys tend to respond really well to like younger, more um, like other guys, like younger men and mm-hmm. it's, it's just good to see you doing that it's awesome yeah i think i'm one of his first like male workers because if you look up like the lineup of most of the other support workers it's uh it's all women so like now that he has this guy it's like we're sort of like bros <laughs> like it's funny because when he's hanging with them sometimes he'll be like repeating my name repeating my name and they're like what uh, the hell like, i must really like you so i mean that's pretty cool yeah i wish more like guys got into it yeah um, and then pre pre-pandemic i was doing like i think i told you this last time i was doing big brothers of windsor mm-hmm. so it's like big brothers big sisters program uh, so you just mentor like i was mentoring a 12 year old boy and it's been difficult with the pandemic but just doing like video chats here and there when we can and we played a couple of soccer games outside in the summer but uh, yeah i think that's an awesome program to get into too nice man cool yeah that awesome. sounds really uh really great that you're into that and i know you're gonna come back from this injury strong and garrick really wants you to go into triathlon i'm gonna request that you wait until i retire so at least another 15 years and then you can start (laughs) well i will be completely honest watching challenge daytona truly truly made me want to do triathlon oh no (laughs) yes i literally couldn't sleep that night because i was i was just thinking about the sport of triathlon you have any questions you have a panel here of experts and one thing related to this issue that i will say is that it's even harder to fuel enough in triathlon however it is easier on your bones if you're able to fuel properly because you don't have to pound yourself into the ground as much because you're just too tired to run 150k weeks you can only run like i don't know less than 100k weeks so um if you struggle some people who struggle with bone injuries end up healthier in triathlon mostly probably because of that time on the feet. And some people think that cycling actually strengthens your legs and kind of protects you from uh, those injuries a little bit. But I know you do really well with your background and your ability. And and if it's any consolation, the people who are telling you you're too heavy to be a good runner who are wrong, well, in triathlon, a lot of the strongest dudes are all kinds of different sizes. And it you, you don't see that everybody being the same kind of build as much as you do in running. So it's a little easier right. on the mind too got strong guys out there kicking ass <laughs> honestly i have so much respect for you guys like just the amount of training that goes into it the amount of fueling that goes into it like the investment that you put into yourself especially initially to get in the sport it's like it's crazy so i like it's a huge risk and like hard amount of training so like i have nothing but respect for triathletes and you guys thank you well sir. if you want to come out to one of our camps and uh eat a lot and laugh a ton you know always well a little bit of training fun <laughs> a little training a lot of eating do you guys sleep a lot too what's that do you guys do it like how is sleep for triathletes because i know you're packing so much in the one day oh do you, you probably get into bed and you're toast right yeah it varies i mean nick likes to sleep from about nine to four in the morning and that's good for him but uh <laughs> But everybody's different. But yeah, you gotta you gotta sleep. I mean, time of actual sleep 
I, I try to get nine hours. Realistically, I probably get eight and a half to eight a night, but I, mm-hmm. I try to spend about 10 hours in bed a day. And sometimes I'm not sleeping the whole time, but that's the best I can do. But everybody's different. Like, I don't know, Garrett, how much do you sleep? Eight, eight normal hours? I guess, well, when I'm training full time, I try to get yeah, like eight to 10 hours a night and then a two hour nap in the day. But with school, this guy's, two hour nap. This guy, I don't want. But yeah. I always train well when I get a big fat nap in and a decent sleep. So, yeah. Jeez. Right yeah. It's, and the other thing is like you adjust a lot. So, like when Garrick is training full time, is not very often. Like it's like a couple months every few years. So it's kind of probably like, oh, he's training a ton and his body like knows he needs that extra rest. Whereas if he did it all the time, I'm sure he'd kind of plateau more in a normal range. Right. Gotcha. I, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Now we're supposed to sleep every night or something. Like, don't you realize that's like half of all time? Like <laughs> some people don't watch Rick and Morty there, Nick, but that's a good, good <laughs> reference. <laughs> oh my goodness. I like that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, cool. Well, Corey, um, yeah, your story is certainly going to resonate with a lot, a lot of people, even, you know, us, we've dealt with little ranges of that, but thank you for being so upfront and very forward with your, your learning and holy cow, like we can't wait to see you come back and be like, you know what? I'm 15 pounds heavier now and I'm crushing it. Done. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to come back. I'm excited to follow you guys. Yeah. And good luck in that marathon. Yeah. I've, yeah, I'm not going to tell anyone else about it. So, oh, sorry. That part of it. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Nope. We're doing a whole series on it. Three yeah. podcast series. <laughs> now the 12 listeners will know that Nick's running a marathon. Yeah. Good luck with that, Nick. Look at all the DMs. Okay. The follow-up next episode. Yeah. We'll talk about it for a blink of an eye, and that's all that's required. Yeah. Well, Corey. Well, sweet. Thanks for joining us. We will look out for you in the Tokyo 2021 1500-meter finals. And then Ooh. this 2024, taking home the gold in the mixed team relay for Team Canada. On the <laughs> end. Ah. Oh, geez, there's short-distance triathlon now. Oh, man. I keep forgetting about that because mixed relay was supposed, to be, it was supposed to be at the Tokyo Olympics, right, for the first time? That's you, man. That's your sport. You go for that. I'll let you have it. <laughs> that's hilarious yeah all right man all right thanks a lot Corey. no problem thanks so much guys what an awesome interview with Corey belmore thanks for coming on to him again this is the second time we've had him i think um but in any event it seems like he's really on a good path to recovery obviously getting that bone density back is really tough um He's just going to have to be patient, but it's really cool that he's got such a good perspective on it. And um, we actually chatted with him after the recording a little bit. He might just be in triathlon before you guys know it. So we'll see about that. But I think he's focusing on getting healthy and going after it for the 2020 Olympics. And I think he's on the right path for that. What do you guys think? Man, one thing I really took away from this episode, like, yeah, okay, Corey's an awesome guy. But in terms of like the red-ass <laughs> stuff – like think about how hard he had to try to cut back on calories when he was just training for track. Like those hours aren't very big. Like that's, they train less hours than the average age grouper or maybe at least right around that. So thinking of someone who is not as big as Corey or, and is training more 
perhaps, or is maybe the same size, it's not hard for them to get into that state of being deficient, you know, like absolutely not eating enough. It's, it's hard to stay on top of the calories when you're an athlete. And although he went and like was really trying to lose weight and was, you know, taking appetite suppressants and stuff, it, it's easy to fall into that trap. And it, it's scary, man. As someone who trains up to 30 hours a week, it's something that I'm constantly thinking about eating, you know? And yeah. if someone who's fresh into the sport isn't thinking about that, it's just so easy for them to totally F themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you. And Nick, anything to add to this? Oh, before thanks, we man. sign her off. Well, holy cow, Corey's a awesome fella wish we could give him an actual high five and have him down for a camp so he can just rip us a new one and it'd be awesome but i don't know i think the mental fortitude for us is a little easier to not eat and forget about eating because sometimes we're out training in to and from sessions like seven to eight hours a day so it's easy to forget to eat but if you've got one hard workout in the morning and then you're like that's it like it would be so tough to be like I think I'm going to have a salad with salad for lunch. <laughs> Maybe some oil and vinegar to make it a little damp. That's about it. Maybe like some salt on there. It would be tough to actually make a, cons- a conscious effort to really restrict that much food. So if he's got the mental fortitude to do that, he should come to triathlon and put all that energy towards going faster and eating a bunch because it'll work out way better. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe he shouldn't come to triathlon or just stay short course. Uh, no, he needs to wait. He needs to wait until I retire and then well he can start just before I retire. That's fine. It'll take him some time to really build up and then I'll retire and then he'll take over. It makes no sense because I think he's older than me, so I don't think this is how that's gonna work. Uh he's a year younger than you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well that's fine. He can have his one year of of uh of championship triathlon performances but we're gonna definitely follow up with Corey again i feel like his story we just were invested in it every once in a while once every six months we're gonna have him on we're gonna be like hey all right what's up now and he's like well my stress fracture's better and i just ran a 340 again and it's gonna be awesome (laughs) i think the biggest takeaway is you know when, when you're able to train and wake up and get after it like you take it for granted and then if there's anything that prevents you from getting out and doing what you love it is like the worst pain that you could ever fathom. So if you want to keep healthy and strong, like you've got to stay on top of this common sense type stuff. And yes, Corey, eating after training, I'm sorry, but it's pretty common sense and restricting it because <laughs> you're just like someone told you, you need to lose 10 pounds. Like I get it. We've all been there, but after a certain amount of time, man, and sucks that you had to get injured, but learn from Corey's mistake. Don't take it to that level. Just, Wait until race week to find race weight or the week and a half and then to carry a little extra weight during your training period so you're healthy. That's my non-professional recommendation. (laughs) Or just don't even think about race weight. Just eat when you're hungry, fuel properly during and after workouts. And if you're training consistently throughout the year, let that be your weight. Lots of lots of details we could pick apart, Garrick, but I do appreciate your your concept. <laughs> That's Nick's polite way of saying frig off. Frig off. 
And he's off podcast. Let's end this thing. Peace. Out. Out. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise. On a one-man mission trying to see it through.